This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Welcome to Living Green. My name is Meredith Sassine, and I'm delighted to introduce you today to Anusara's Optimist, according to Yoga International, and that's Amy Apoliti. She's here with me today to fill you in on some of the exciting things that she's got going, what makes a difference with Anusara Yoga, and what you can do if you want to change the outcomes in your life. Amy, it's awesome to be talking to you today. Tell me a little bit about what's going on for you right now. Where are you and what's around you? Well, it's great to be back with you, Meredith. And I just have to say again how much I love your last name because it has the word sassy in it. Woohoo! Yes, it does indeed. <laughs> <laughs> you totally are. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, life is beautiful. It's it's spring here in Boulder and just the birds are chirping and it's sunny and the plants are bursting out of the ground and so is uh, the yoga lately. It's just spring is this time where we have so much going on, so many live events, and we have online events going on. So I am in the thick of all of that and really enjoying myself and exercising a lot with my new road bike. I so saw your picture huge. of that. Yes, <laughs> yeah. you look very uh, sexy in your spandex, according oh, to one of the comments on Facebook. I saw that. <laughs> You did look really good. You're all, she's all geared out, everybody, just so you know. She's got this killer bike and, like, black spandex on with all the, you know, branding <laughs> names that are traditional for bike r- riding and your yoga body, and you're all happy and fit. Oh, it's brilliant. You might you might be switching professions if you keep publishing pictures like that on the web. I know, but it's been really enjoyable. How does that affect your, uh, your, hand, your quads as far as, like, doing biking and then going into back bends? Oh my God, it makes them really, really tight. And uh, so I've, I've figured out I really need to stretch my quads before, after, and then do like every single quad stretch when I do my yoga practice. Every quad stretch there is. Brilliant. Well, that's a perfect transition because one of the things I was planning on talking to you about a little later in the interview was some of the poses and postures of Anusara and how the principles relate to them. So perhaps that's a great place to start is some specificity around some of those quad stretches. And if you could weave in for people who aren't familiar with Anusara a little bit about what it is and, and how it's different than some other forms of yoga and, of course, the five principles of universal alignment. Absolutely. We Thanks. can talk about that. Yeah. Awesome. So t- tell us a little bit. So you're, you're done biking, you get, you get in and are you doing your yoga practice immediately after or later in the day or give it set up the scene of these quads being stretched? Well, I, I, it's so new that um, I actually just rode up to Flagstaff um, and the consequences were that my yoga practice was almost impossible the next day. Mm -hmm. So now I'm actually creating a plan. So I haven't actually done this yet, but it's like what I plan to do is stretch the quads um, with basic thigh stretches like um, pigeon thigh stretch, um, Ardha Bekasana thigh stretch, even like a standing one at the bike where you just bring your heel to the butt. And then I think I'll do um, even Supta Virasana or Ekapada Supta Virasana mm-hmm. uh, before and also after the ride. And then when I do my practice, 
instead of just doing like one of those thigh stretches before back bends, I'm gonna do every single one. So, and I'm gonna add ninja death pose. Ooh, ninja death pose, what's that one? Yeah, no, it's one that, um, that we named a long time ago at Ohm Yoga Center. It's the one where you put your shin up against the wall with your knee like on a blanket and then you're in a lunge. Oh, <clears throat> so I, we did yeah. this with a block with Christina Sell at my immersion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm sure you did. And that one is, we call it ninja death pose because you're just, you feel like a ninja, you know, it's just intense. So <laughs> I'm going to do that one um, in addition to every other thigh stretch I can think of when I do my yoga. Like I'm just going to incorporate that into my yoga to really ensure that I keep everything loose and limber. That's brilliant. So let's talk a little bit about that particular form so that obviously since I'm familiar with it, we want everyone else to be familiar with it too. And you're doing such a great job at using the web to take yoga to the next level. Tell us, let's go to Anyasara and talk a little bit about what Anyasara is because I think some of our listeners um, need to be included a little bit more in our conversation so that they can know what you're up to. Yeah, so Anusara is uh, a blend of really amazing alignment and biomechanic and uh, physiology uh, of the human body and like knowing how your body lines up. It blended with um, an embodiment of certain yogic virtues and yogic teachings and philosophies. So there's a way in which um, when you embody a physical action in harmony with something that you're working on in your life or like a virtue you want to cultivate into your life, that there's an assimilation process which occurs that is very magical. And so that that's really how I think of Anusara. And then, of course, um, it's a very community-oriented uh, school of yoga in that we look at the community as our, as our guru. If you were to have a guru... Uh, it would be the community. It wouldn't be any one teacher. And so we learn from each other. We learn from uh, from interacting with one another and all that that entails. Brilliant. And one of the things I've heard you say in our last interview um, is that every single person has a place in the community. And so rather than having a spirit of competition, it's really cooperation and that when one person is lifted, the whole community is lifted. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, when, when you're in a community, it's like you're going to uh, get triggered by certain people because they remind you of your stepfather you know, whatever. And then you're going to um, get maybe triggered by somebody else's success. And you have to look at, like, why am I feeling less than because this person is more successful or, you know, it's like it brings up all your stuff. And then you get to work on that stuff and change and, and make a choice about how you want to respond. And uh, I've grown tremendously through having this, this sort of family that uh, just brings stuff up for me, you know, time and time again. What are some of the ways that you've grown? Well, I think, you know, uh, let's see, confronting conflict that's a kind of a redundant word there, but like with conflicts, you know, um, I think I used to be more afraid of, of having to set boundaries with another person or bring up that something didn't feel okay. Um, that's less so now. 
Uh, and I do a lot of counseling within the community with people. Yogis generally are very afraid to, to make a conflict about anything. And so I think, you know, being in community, those things come up all the time. And everyone says, oh, the yoga community has all this drama and all this conflict. And a lot of it is just because people are afraid to bring stuff up, you know, because yoga is supposed to be so peaceful and nicey-nice, you know. And so to say that there shouldn't be any conflict in the yoga community is kind of silly when these conflicts are actually how we, we, how we grow. So I feel that I've grown tremendously through that. And then also just like learning to be more sensitive to people. I think I was not really the most sensitive person to how others were feeling or how something would land. And I'm certainly not perfect now either with that, but I've definitely improved and grown and expanded in that, in that area. The drama, the idea of the drama in the yoga community reminds me of something very exciting that's going on in your life right now. And that's, <laughs> the, that's the post of this outrageous video, this, this uh, parody on Charlie's Angels. And so if you're listening to this interview right now and you haven't seen this video, you must, must, must go to Amy's website at amyapolity.com and check this video out. And um, I don't know, you may even have to pause the interview to actually watch the video. <laughs> it's hysterical. This is a nine-minute show, and we got to talk about it. So how did this How did this get, get birthed? It, it's you and two other Anusara teachers from Chicago, their sisters. Exactly. Um, tell us Sarah about it. Sarah and Stephanie Starnes. Well, I was actually doing the cover shoot for Yoga Journal last September, and we had um, we had uh, two certified teachers, Laura and Stacy from the Bay Area, were doing a little photo shoot with me that was also like kind of a centerfold in the issue that came out January of 2011. And we were in this pose where I was down on my knee in Anjaneyasana, and Stacy and Laura were in standing poses, and it was sort of tiered looking. And I think one of the you know, one of the editors was standing around. It might have been Caitlin Pittsburgh, who's the, the editor of Yoga Journal. And somebody said, you guys look like Charlie's Angels. <laughs> and at that moment, I made my hands into a gun and we totally played it up. And I was like, oh, my God, we have to shoot this as a video, as a parody. Because uh, I have a total um, acting background. Like, I, I never really acted a lot um, I didn't act professionally. I did a lot in school, but my entire family, like in the fifties, they were all in film. And so I have this like inner desire to, 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 you know, just act and like be on the screen and stuff because of that heritage that I have. And so, and I knew that Stephanie and her sister, um, Sarah Starnes, that they do these incredibly hilarious just ridiculously fun videos and and um they know that I'm like a huge fan of their videos as well so I wrote to Sarah who does all the editing and does a lot of the visioning for these videos and I said <laughs> said we've got to do you know the yoga version of Charlie's Angels and she was like I'm on it you know and she just she just like took it and ran with it from there and came up with like how we were going to do sort of a plot and who was going to be in it and what song to use and, you know, like the whole thing and what costumes to wear and just like everything. And um, so I just knew that if I, if I said like, let's do this, she would take it from there because that's what she does. And so we just had a blast doing it. And um, 
I put it up on my blog, and the blog is called um, "Just for the." I think it's called "Just for the Fun of It," or right. Oh yeah. no, just for the sake of itself. I think is what it's called. And there is a teaching in in the tantra or in Anusara Yoga that says we do the practice of yoga just for the sake of itself, for nothing more. We're not trying to get anything out of it. We're not trying to to make a message of our yoga or you know, or turn anybody on to anything because of our yoga. We're not doing it for anything other than just to do it. And so I put it up there because I kind of anticipated that if I didn't do that, we would get kind of like feedback. And we actually did get a comment or two of people saying like, this is, you know, sex and violence and yoga teachers shouldn't be promoting this and and that sort of thing. And to which I say, you know, first of all, there is sex and violence in the in in the world, and to deny that there that that exists isn't um, isn't really good yoga, because then you're sort of in a place of like you're denying what the universe is offering. Now, whether you're advocating it or not is another thing. However, like this video is purely a joke; it's a parody. Um, yes, we have like, you know, kicking scenes and punching and, you know, we're being ridiculously, um, girly and flipping our hair and rolling in bed with pillows and having a pillow fight and pink underwear, (laughs) you know, but, but it's a parody, it's a joke, you know? And so, um, we have pillow fights and underwear all, all the time in our uh, Onusara community uh, here in Santa Barbara. (laughs) But it's really, it is literally, it's a joke, it's a parody, it's fun, it's supposed to be silly, and, you know, it's not meant to be exclusive of anybody or, you know, to promote anything. It's really just, like, let's just do this ridiculously fun thing. And um, that's that's my take on it anyway. (laughs) We we, we laugh the whole time, so. (laughs) Has there been a time in your life when you've been more publicly sexier? This was about it. <laughs> this was about it. This is, this is pretty sexy. Yeah. This was my chance to just be, you know, completely outrageous. And I enjoyed every minute of it. It was just so fun. Oh. To just also let, you know, to kind of stretch my comfort zone a little bit, too. It was a stretch for me, and I, I really enjoyed it. Definitely. Well, one, one of the things I also think that it serves as is an expression of childlike play. And seeing that in adults, I mean, as a, you know, 10-year-plus person going to Burning Man, which is, you know, one of my (laughs) former play zones, uh, getting dressed up and, you know, playing around and having fun is a natural expression of our joy. You know, I really, I really, you know, got a sense of that and got a lot of smiles um, when I was watching that as well. So I appreciate that element. That's great. I love that. I also saw an element of uh, collaboration too. I mean, when it, with any project that we do, whether it's a you know parody video on you know Charlie's Angels, or you know when you're teaching a uh, you know a workshop with other Anusara teachers, there's there's definitely collaboration that takes place, and and I think that's oh really yeah, and we even the guys that were in the video, they were all yogis. Like um, the the really hilarious one that's doing the nunchucks. He's a very accomplished Iyengar teacher and friend of, of Sarah's, and 
he was hilarious going up into shoulder stand and the other two are Anasara students, um, the guys that were in it. And what was really fun too, is that even though we had this sort of like random kicking and fighting and stuff that was going on, um, in, in my scenes, what, what I loved was that like, I, I punched this cookies and cream drink out of this guy's hand and I replaced it with a green juice. <laughs> and then there's another guy that is eating pork skins. Yep. And I kick the pork skins out of his hand and put a bag of carrots, you know. So it's like we had these little, like, like we were these yogi, you know, badasses who were going around and, and fighting for good kind of a thing. It was just random. Yeah, I, I totally was, appreciated the well, the wellness theme is awesome. And then we did this thing where the guy was in, um, he was fighting us and we ended up like putting him into a trance, into full lotus and lifting him up, you know, just really silly stuff. Good, good stuff. Did you film it in Chicago? Yeah, it was all done in parks and stuff in Chicago on the street. And so if you look back at that whole experience of collaboration and play and parody and pushing the edges of violence and sexuality in a, you know, a way that is just for the sake of it, what would you say were three moments of your biggest, newest expression? Well, I would say... Um putting myself out there like in in the sort of divine feminine of the sexuality of the divine feminine and putting that out there like when I'm this yoga teacher you know I think that that was really a stretch for me to be on camera doing that and at the same time like once it was over it was like yeah that was no big deal you know so it's uh it was very uh, liberating in a lot of ways for me too just to go like I can be expressive and I can act a, a role and that doesn't mean that um doesn't mean anything about me personally well I guess it does but I mean it's it it was acting too but to just allow that to come out felt really um liberating in a lot of ways brilliant it's like your uh, your own sort of version of Halloween which you also you know you've also got some other videos out there you're doing a, a thriller <laughs> mob scene dance uh, on Pearl Street in Boulder last Halloween. That's true. Yeah, I've been really like I've been really wanting to stretch out of the confines of what we define the yoga world as. You know, I think there's really a tendency to become very insular in the yoga community as a yogi is like this is how a yogi's supposed to act. And I think what's been really beautiful about being in the in the sort of diversity of the Anusara community and also the diversity of the entire yoga community is that um, there are a few who are breaking out of the sort of insular like this is what it should look like and going like you know what I do yoga and I hang out with people who ride Harley Davidson's or I do yoga and I hang out with you know corporate professionals on the weekend I do yoga and you know I go out salsa dancing or I, I do yoga and I am in these ridiculously playful videos or whatever you know and like I think you see that more and more we have lawyers who do yoga we have you know all sorts of people but I think yoga teachers in general tend to like just hang out with each other just hang out with yoga community or their family and that's like the extent of it so I've been actually in the last few years branching out and going like let me go like hang out with this flash mob in Boulder that does you know thriller mob mobs on all the way you know let's try that you know yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just super fun and you know what I come back to my yoga and I feel like I have more um riches to share more of like 
you know, I read Oprah magazine, you know, it's like, I love to, I love to see what the mainstream is up to, you know, and bring that back into the yoga and then bring the yoga to the mainstream and kind of have some cross pollination. And really honoring the 360 degree, you know, persona of human being that we are. I love precisely, that. Precisely, precisely. One of the things that you're known for is bringing, you know, your spirit or this energy that people really, you know, they want to be around. And I know, you know, from speaking to many of your students that the clarity that you teach with really, I mean, they just get it, you know, whether it's you're teaching the Anusara principles or, you know, another thing that you know, people often speak is your ability to elaborately weave ancient uh, yoga teachings into, you know, a really fun and 21st century expression of yoga. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it appears as though, you know, you've been living this yoga superstar life, but um, now, you know, you're leading this superheroes. So, <laughs> very, very exciting. Um, in fact, you do have your, your superheroes uh, new product out. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, well, we started a program this January, and we talk a lot about it actually in the other interview that you, you and I did earlier this year, but 90 Minutes to Change the World, which is um, a program that is dedicated to the local yoga teacher and sort of helping the local yoga teacher feel um, appreciated as well as help them reclaim, you know, some of the popularity of being a local teacher, sort of the, not the popularity, but like the, um, the prestige of being a local teacher versus this one that's like traveling all the time. And so, so, so superheroes is actually the, the pre, well, it's the um, advanced level course. So when you graduate now from 90 minutes to change the world, you go on and you take superheroes. Um, Superheroes goes into greater depth on the way that you organize your teaching into a system so that your, your, your uh, instructions are very clear. You have thought about and contemplated your, your themes and what you're going to say and how you're going to say it all into an organizational system. Um, also learning how to plan your classes in ways that are foolproof so that they're really, really um, forming a base that really allows you to shine and also do what I call vesselifying, which is to become a vessel for the divine to pour through you. So you learn how to get out of your own way so that when you're teaching, the divine is actually pouring through you. And that's that sparkle is something that really attracts more and more people to yoga and to your class. And so uh, how to have a system that allows you to, to almost have a container into which you can pour that divine juice, you know. <laughs> and, um, and then we also look at, you know, advanced marketing. Like how do you market yourself as a yoga teacher and uh, build your list and build your following and all those kinds of things, so, which is part of being a really phenomenal local yoga teacher because I think the focus now has been on well you become a yoga teacher and then you get on the road and you start doing workshops all over the country and all over the world and so what I've been finding is that the local teachers are not as present to what they're actually doing in their communities with their 90-minute classes so half the battle is just like shifting the perception that they have to somehow become a roadster Mm -hmm. you know or a yoga celebrity 
Um, but to become a yoga celebrity in their own home, you know, and they don't even have to become a yoga celebrity, but just to become well known and well respected, you know, like like there's teachers like Darren Rhodes who teaches locally. He's got 75 people coming to class. Elena Brower teaches locally. She's got 75 people coming to class. Um, there's teachers all over New York City who have you know 60 people. Julie Dorman, Janiela Rosa. Um, you know, Dana Flynn has taught locally for a very long time and she's extraordinary. So there's, and I could go on and on about so many teachers. I mean, let's talk about LA. Hello. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> how many years did Sean Korn, you know, have her local teach her local teaching right there in, in Santa Monica. Right. And, yeah. um, so it's that paradigm has kind of shifted, I think. Um, and we're, we're shifting it back with these courses is really been my project and, um, superheroes is wonderful. We've been planning classes together online. Um, people can see me with a whiteboard and the whole thing. It's like, it's like we're in the same room together almost. So we've improved our technology now to include that. And we've brought in other teachers, you know, Desiree Rumba was featured on our last, um, 90 minutes course. And, we are planning on, you know, continuing this online education model um, to really help bring, like you said, um, teachings from the 21st century into teachings from the yoga century, which was 5,000 years ago, and like really cross-pollinating those teachings um, through online learning so that people can really understand the yogic lifestyle who are from all over the world. You know, we have folks from Thailand, from Australia, New Zealand, Europe, um, South America and all over the United States and Canada um, participating online in these educational programs. And so uh, it's really exciting. And it's all about, yeah, yoga and the 21st century. It's not about just yoga from 5,000 years ago. It's like, how do we integrate this into what's really going on right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said that so well. I was able to, <laughs> to jump in on one of those calls with Desiree and um, just I there were a couple things that I noted from the call that I just wanted to share with our listeners that really hit home for me. You know, one is um, when you create your themes, what's your core message and what's moving within you right now and allowing your themes to be propelled mm-hmm. from that place, allowing um, short and sweet talks instead of, you know, 10 minutes for a 90 minute class. Maybe you can shorten those and then include the theme, you know, through it just get people moving and breathing and continue to use things like, you know, why tree pose and stability can make a huge difference in your community and in your family and perhaps on the on the first side trying it technically and then on the second side talking about it more in a flowery or referencing divinity uh, kind of way. And, and one of the other things I'd love to have you expand on is why partner work in yoga class rocks. Those are your mm. quotes. You, you said the rocks part. That's right. I usually do. <laughs> well, yeah, I think, you know, um, the things that Desiree shared about having a message, you know, like my message this year, for example, is turn up your volume or it's pump up the volume. And it means, it means like coming out into your fullest authenticity. You know, that's what turning up your volume means to me. So that's, Um, When you have a kind of driving theme for your year, you know, your classes are always going to be, they're going to have that kind of um, focus, you know, there'll be a purpose to the class. So it it really gives it um, a laser focus, if you will. And um, yeah, we've been talking a lot about how in, 
in these 90 minute classes because a lot of people tend the teachers they go to workshops you know workshops you have more time and the teacher will maybe give a little dharma talk at the beginning and it'll be 20 minutes 30 minutes long that can be appropriate for a workshop format but in a 90 minute class that's tough you know like that's like people are coming and they want to get their yoga on and get moving and they want to have a full you know practice and that sometimes is their only workout of the day and you're sitting there for like 10 to 15 minutes it's a lot for people so we've been talking in our um, amongst like Anasara certified teachers about how like yeah maybe we really need to make that only just five minutes so that people stick to five minutes in the beginning and then you can really yeah like Desiree said you can weave your your theme and everything and your dharma talk into the poses as they're doing them so there shouldn't be this pressure like oh well if i only have five minutes i won't be able to really introduce a theme to this class no you can weave it in and get them moving like you said mm-hmm. one of the things that i i loved um one of your quotes from the past you said um in the spirit of creativity and togetherness i've had some of the biggest breakthroughs in my yoga practice yet and you were referencing um, Tigris, which you, when you moved to Colorado in 2004, you found a place where you could experiment with, you know, zany postures and make up new ones and get, you know, how to get into advanced poses in the best way with, you know, whether it was timings or repetitions or ridiculous music. And there were, you know, lots of laughter. And I am imagining there was also a lot of partner work in that as well. Right, and I know you asked about partner work too. Yeah, there's a blog that I put up um, that uh, talked about organizing a teacher's practice. And um, I actually not only practice in Colorado, but with Dana Flynn at Laughing Lotus in New York, and that's where all that creativity came from. Um, And I think the blog was called why getting on your yoga mat more often will make you teach and feel like a winner or something or live like a winner. Um, but yeah, the, the partnering stuff, you know, it is really, you know, something that you want to limit to a degree in a 90 minute class and you'd want to expand on it in a workshop format. And the reason I say that it rocks is that, Say there's a pose that requires uh, an adjustment or an assist that would really help you go deeper or even enable you to do the pose at all. You would want your yoga teacher to spot you in that or to to give you that assist. However, if you're in a class of 20 people, it's impossible for the teacher to get to you. So you would basically lose out on that opportunity, right? And so... If you partner up and the teacher can articulate very clearly to the other students in the room, this is how you give the assist, this is how you perform the spot, now you guys work together and partner, then every single person in the room gets the opportunity to have that assist or be enabled to even do the pose at all. And then when you break through to be able to do a pose that you couldn't do before because someone's spotting you or assisting you, it's much more likely that you're going to be able to do it on your own when you don't have the partner there. Or you're going to be able to go deeper when the partner is no longer with you because you remember the feeling of how to hold your body in that position. So partner work can excel a community of yogis faster than not having partner work is what I want to say. Mm. 
And, and it's like everybody expands because of the ability. Now, there are risks, of course, you know, like, you know, you get a bad spot or somebody doesn't do it right, you know, or they, God forbid, they drop you on your head or you know, like it can it can go wrong. And that's why it's really important that the teacher understands, like, what's the level of the student in the room and, and their strength? Can they handle this? Do they have the awareness of how to perform this properly, et cetera? And, you know, that's kind of how it has to go. And you need to make sure that you also articulate how this spot is done. Oh, like really as clearly as you would teach a yoga pose, you have to teach everybody how to do the partner exercise. Mm, said very well. I Thank like you. That. Yeah. I like that very much. Well, I'd like to, to take a couple minutes to partner with you on something. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so one of... One of um, one of the things that you've done in the past, um, and there's some videos online if people want to um, uh, <clears throat> learn about this in more details, interviews that you've had about ways that you've started your morning around, um, uh, you know, meditating for six minutes with your iPhone, picking an inspirational quote, writing in a success journal about what's working for you and your practice, writing a gratitude, you know, five elements of gratitude at the the end of your evening. So you've got this framework that you are propelling your life with. And right now, a lot of those things are just, you know, coming into fruition because you've spent a lot of time visioning and creating. And so now it's, your life is quite abundant in those things that you've created. So I'm wondering if you would be willing to uh, create a future with me in um, partnership right now and do a little visualization with our our audience. What do you think? Sounds cool. Awesome. So what I'd like for you to imagine, and listeners, you know, the power of our community coming all together can also, you know, bring this into reality too, so maybe play along with me, is, Amy, imagine that you are on your yoga mat, and next to you on your yoga mat is a man who really is interested in making the difference that makes a difference in the world. And his ability to impact the world when he's in alignment is extraordinary because he has the ability to deliver messages in a way that the whole world can hear. And that man is President Obama. And so what I'd like you to do is propel us into a year from now in a specific room with a specific setting where the two of you are together and give us a few snapshots of what you will be experiencing when you're teaching him yoga. <laughs> well, I think that I envision, uh, envision him a downward facing dog and just being an extraordinary student and would you be willing to teleport us there? So, you know, like as it's happening now? Sure. Okay. So we're in, we're in the Oval Office and we've got a sticky mat down. It's a revolution mat by Prana. And he is uh, in downward facing dog and he's looking up at me and he's, he's asking a question about tipping his sacrum in to make sure he has a nice blossomed butt. And uh, as he bends his knees and jumps forward into Uttanasana and puts his hands on his hips and he stands up, um, we have a conversation about how yoga 
is a vehicle for self-expression of authenticity and of consciousness. So it's an expression of becoming more conscious of everything we do. And that when we have this, this consciousness, there's a, an ability to exude that in ways that are intangible, but energetic. And so we're having this conversation about how his practice um, is actually going to allow him to uh, exude the kind of um, consciousness raising and vibration raising ability that the world needs so much right now. Nice. And when you're speaking with him, if you maybe give that voice directly to him and we'll just kind of listen in and you share with him, you know, what Anusara is in the sense of the principles of alignment and how those could affect his ability to verbally communicate. Would you let us in on that conversation that goes directly to him? Yeah, so Obama basically, I would say Barack, um, when your body is lined up in this way that you're feeling right now, all the channels in your body are open and they're flowing. And so there is not only a physical feeling of, of peace, but also like a sparkly quality throughout the whole body. But there's also an ability where your voice will be more clear, your throat will be more clear, your mind will be more clear, and everything that you say is going to have more power and more resonance. Mm, and what do you think the, what was the response to that then? He was like, high five. Or no, he did the fist bump. He was like, knuckles. Excellent. How frequently are you, are you teaching and, and training with him? Doing sessions like once a month and uh, flying to where he is or, you know, doing the private jet thing to get to him where necessary. Do you think you'll be able to um, take some video of that and make me a <laughs> second Charlie's Angels and put that up on YouTube? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for that. I, I heard that he might even participate in an immersion. I know. That would be so cool. That would be a that would be a really amazing thing. So if he was going to um, take place in the hundred and um, eight hour immersion that Anusara offers for people to learn more about the five principles alignment and really get immersed in and what it means to do Anusara yoga, what would he learn and how could he prepare? <laughs> um, well, he would learn. Let's see. I think he would learn primarily how to unplug slow down pretty much like to have to have a practice that he can rely on to kind of escape from all the intensity not escape but just to have a time of like integration so I think a lot of politicians um, they don't have much of a break nor do they I mean they have like balanced lives like they go to the gym and all of that but like to really be able to unplug and to have a practice that can be like a refuge is something I think that he would benefit the most from the immersion, you know, and as, and as well, like just the, the physical um, release that occurs when you have a yoga practice, like any kind of postural pain or like being at the computer, lower back stuff, knee stuff, having an empowered practice that helps you get your body back when you feel like you've been hit by a truck from travel or whatever else is incredibly empowering. Mm, fantastic. So last question in our, our 
little vision session here <laughs> is um, if you'd, you'd for me. So I would love to see every child in the United States of America in grade school own their own yoga mat. And that oh. this yoga mat, you know, maybe has like a Whole Foods logo on it or something like that. You know, it's, it's supported by... Uh, corporations or companies, and that it's an initiative uh, that Obama puts in place so that every child has one in their room. So when it's, you know, go to your room, there's always an opportunity that the child has been trained that this place, this mat, is a, a place where they can have their own private space and that no one walks on that mat and there's a uh-huh. way that they've learned, you know, boundaries around that mat and how to really um, be with themselves. So rather than, you know, running to the local candy store and, you know, spending their money on candy or, you know, learning their first experience about why it's not a good idea to shoplift or something like that <laughs> as a young child, you know, they get the experience of being in their body. And so I'm wondering if you could wrap this up by asking Barack if he would be willing to support that that campaign and if you would do that and explain um, how the principles of alignment could affect and change the world of grade school kids. So Barack, do you um, do you feel in your own body like the the energy and the um, shift that you're having in your own skin? Can you imagine every child in the school system throughout the United States having this experience of just kind of calm and feeling inspired in their body and feeling a sense of ownership of who they are and a sense of authenticity about who they are. And can you imagine if we actually started a campaign where every single kid had their own yoga mat? Could you imagine that? And he would be like, oh my God, totally. I'll get Michelle on it immediately. Excellent. Very good. All right, everybody join me in a big circular round of applause. Thanks for uh, collaboration and uh, partnership on this one, Amy. I super appreciate it. And um, I do. Sounds like it resonated for you. (laughs) It certainly does. And, um, and, you know, I'm just standing in the fact that you and Barack are going to connect with each other and not only have a great time uh, expressing yourselves through yoga, but making a difference in the world like you're already doing. So I know that's what's ahead is bringing your specific superpower as the superhero that you are and creating superheroes all around you to really um, make the change that's needed in our world. So thank you for all of that. You're so welcome. I super appreciate it. As we um, as we wrap up our interview today, um, I'd like to have you just get a sense of your morning practice. I know you've been um, playing with the Oracle deck. You used to yeah. work with uh, Michael Beckwith's deck, right? Is that right? Yeah, I, think I found this deck at the Omega Institute, the Beckwith one, and I loved it. I just loved what he was saying on it. But then at Kripalu, it's so funny, I teach at Kripalu and Omega and I pick up these decks in the gift card in the gift store. Um, so yeah, this is, I think it's Sonia Choquette's um, Oracle cards. And they're so unbelievably uncannily accurate. Every time I pick one up, I'm like, no way, she did it again. Like nailed me, you know. <laughs> so. And how did this morning's go? Do you have some words of wisdom for the, our listeners as we come out of today's show? 
you know what? I didn't wake up at my um, at my home, so I didn't have my card, so I don't have one, but I can oh. get one for you. <laughs> no, then we're just going to have to tap into your inner wisdom. So yeah. will, you, will you pick a card out of your mental collection of uh, spontaneous inspiration and, and draw a card of wisdom for us today? Yeah, you know what it is? It's um, the best card I think I ever picked. I don't know if I'm quoting it exactly right, but it just it was a hit that I got when you asked me and it's it's move forward. It's move forward, like get on the path, move forward. As if to say, let go of the stuff that's stopping you, let go of what's not serving you anymore, and let go of old stories that are just like get over it. It's like get over that stuff, whatever you have to do to get over it, whether it's taking more responsibility for your part in whatever happened, whether it's just simply dropping it and letting it go, move forward. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really yeah. appreciate your time today. Uh, thank you, Meredith. It's so great to hang with you, as always. I can't wait to meet you in person. I know. We're going to see each other at it's one gonna like, It's going to be like massive hug session. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> we might even beat the turn on of the Charlie's Angels parody. <laughs> You just never know what could happen in collaboration and cooperation and all these things. So if you've been inspired by our fun interview today, please go to Amy's Facebook page. You can find her public figure page on Facebook and give her a little love about her, uh, her vision with Barack and let her know maybe something that came to mind for you so that we can all come together and make that difference that makes a difference. Thank you so much. You can visit amyapolity.com. You can find out more about Living Green and me by visiting inspireeverybody.com. Thank you so much. This show has been provided uh, for us by personallifemedia.com. And for more shows like this or other shows on the Personal Life Media Network, just visit personallifemedia.com. Thanks, Amy. Have an awesome day. Thank you, Meredith. Take care. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.